In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about nipple science, cat fetishes, and red flags. Red flags everywhere! In our discussion of Altogether Dead by Charlene Harris. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fictional Hangover podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda, and I have COVID. No! <laughs> and I'm Claire, and I don't have COVID, but today we are going to discuss Altogether Dead by Charlene Harris. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Yay. It's just going to get deeper and deeper as we go on. It's so sexy. So sexy. By the end, you're going to be like, properly doing a, a Bill one, Eric. I know. I know. I'm, I'm going to be. Look, everyone, I really dropped the ball this time. And I'm blaming it on COVID. And it's fine. I thought you were going to blame me there for a second. No, no, I'm not blaming Claire. I'm blaming it on COVID. Um, I don't have any background info this week. I'm barely here. So, shrug. Deal with it. I, will, I guess there is that little bit of information that was in the end of the last book, depending on which copy you have, or if you listen to the audio or not, and which audio you listen to. Um, there was a bit at the end of the last book where um, Charlene Harris wrote about New Orleans facing Katrina, which happened and it happened at like in the timeline of the books as she was writing them and she debated whether or not to include it or to leave it out and she didn't know what to do so then in the beginning of this one we've learned that hurricane katrina happened and so the timeline has shifted a little bit which we'll get into when we discuss the summary but that is something it happened in real life and it was terrible and she wrote it into her book. And a and, and bit more, for those who are following the short stories and novellas, after you've read this one, you should read Lucky. It's where Amelia, the witch with Suki, is teamed up by her insurance agent to discover who's snooping around his business. In the process of investigation, Suki and Amelia uncover some unexpected goings-on in a t- small town and get to the root of the problem eventually. So if you need some more Amelia, which we all do, and some Suki, that's the short story you need to read after this one. Excellent. I still haven't read any of the short stories. My favourite is Dracula One Night. Well, we'll get to that one eventually, Claire. It's an Eric-centric one as well. And Dracula. What and what could be better? Centered. It's perfect. This Initial is... thoughts? You know, my initial thoughts are probably similar to yours, and <laughs> that, that I actually recall reading this one because yes! the last one I didn't. I don't. I swear, I don't think I read the last one at all. I think we did, but we didn't. Some 
something happened. Something happened in our brains. Like both of us sat there and going, huh? I just don't. I just don't remember any of this. But this one, I do remember. Yes. Yes. So I'm, I'm very pleased I remember it also. <laughs> I'm so proud of us. Well done, team. <laughs> When we were last with Suki, she helped the Queen of Louisiana with a problem with her husband, the King of Arkansas, who is now dead, and settled her late cousin Hadley's estate in New Orleans. Normally, we'd pick up just a few weeks after our last adventure, but this time Hurricane Katrina has struck New Orleans and everything has been postponed. Hey, that's what I just said a few moments ago. Several people in Bon Ton were supposed to get married, and Suki was supposed to attend the Vampire Summit. Now it's September. It was March before? Mm, April? March? Something around there. But now it's September, and things are picking back up. Suki is meeting at Fantasia with Eric, Pam, Andre, Jake, and several other of the remaining Louisiana vampires, including the unnamed X. Ugh. To discuss the upcoming Vampire Summit, which will now include a murder trial for Sophie Ann. Yay! Suki has to go as a member of the Queen's entourage in order to read the minds of the humans at the summit. And she learns that the only other telepath she's ever met, Barry the Bellboy, will also be in attendance. Before the meeting ends, Suki suggests that maybe someone somewhere planning the summit has access to someone who can predict the weather, which is why they postponed the summit. She figures that if the summit had happened at its original time, Sophie Ann would have gone in on top. As it is now, she's on trial for murdering her husband and has lost half her state to a storm. It's not not looking too good for Sophie Ann. No, bad times. The next day, Suki attends a wedding shower for Haley. Her double wedding to Andy with his sister Portia and her guy was postponed due to Caroline Balfour's waning health. But now it seems it's back on. Suki is in charge of writing down the gifts Haley receives. It's as fun as a wedding shower can be and includes dirty jokes from middle-aged ladies. When she gets home from the party, she is pleased to find Quinn is there. Amelia, Suki's new witch friend from New Orleans and roommate, leaves to do some shopping so Suki and Quinn finally consummate their relationship. It's about time, Suki. It's been months. It's been months. Months. And that is not at all like Suki. No, no. She She's is... with a lot of batteries. <laughs> Later, Amelia returns and she, Suki, and Quinn sit around talking about the repairs in New Orleans. It turns out Amelia's dad is very wealthy and very important in Louisiana, so he's going to help Amelia rebuild her house. She still has to stay away from there, though, because she hasn't yet figured out a way to return Bob, her witch fling, back into a human. He's currently purring around the house, so maybe he doesn't hate being a cat too terribly much. (laughs) Suki then gets a call from Jason, inviting her to his wedding. So many weddings! Jason and Crystal are getting married because she's pregnant again and her favourite band is currently available. So Suki, Quinn and Amelia head to Hotshot. I love that that's why they're having the wedding. (laughs) My my favourite band is ready. Not because I love you. No, not at all. It's the band. 
As part of the ceremony, Suki has to agree to pay for any wrongdoings Jason might impart on his bride. Which seems likely. But upon reading his mind, Suki learns that Jason is serious about his vows and his love for his new bride. Crystal isn't. But the ceremony goes on anyway. Amelia ends up spending the night with one of the hotshotters. Amelia... And Suki and Quinn go home to spend a little time together before he has to get back on the road for his job. Suki doesn't love the fact that Quinn is always on a road, but he promises to take a month off work after his next job and wants to spend it with Suki. A whole Aww. month of Quinn. A whole month wow. of naked Quinn. Wow. So much naked Quinn. The next day at Merlot's, Suki is tired and not firing on all cylinders. Hey, it's me! No, no, it's not. Sheila Pumphrey insults her and says she's going to try to steal Bill away from her at the summit. And just as Suki is about to slap her in the face, Sam comes up and insists that Sheila leave for the day. As she's headed out, Tara comes in with J.B. Derone, who is her new beau. It seems everyone is getting together now. When Suki gets back home, Amelia is there after hooking up with one of the Panthers. Bob was not pleased with this turn of events and puked on Amelia's bed in retaliation. (laughs) Well done, Bob. I love Bob. (laughs) Suki goes shopping at Tara's place the next day for things to wear to the summit. They get into a tiff about Suki working for vampires, but it's her life and she gets to choose what to do with it. When she gets back home, Claudine is there. She's also worried about Suki going to the summit because she has, as her fairy godmother, can't attend to assist her if she should need it and on account of all the vampires there who would love to eat her she wouldn't last two minutes she really would not everyone it just needs to chill the fuck out i mean let suki make her own decisions she's a grown-ass woman after another shift at Merlot's, Arlene has a few choice fellowship of the sun words for suki before she leaves but seriously <sighs> fuck off arlene Pam has come to visit with Suki, and Arlene doesn't like that. Pam tells Suki that neither she nor Eric knew about Bill's secret behind his love. They had no idea that the Queen sent him to entice her. Pam also tells Suki that she is really messing with Eric's head. He hasn't been the same since the witches took his memories, and he seems to care a great deal for Suki. Pam then tells the story of how Eric turned her. Speaking of, Eric arrives then, worried about Pam, and confronts Suki about her dating Quinn. She tells him that he never once indicated that they should be anything other than acquaintances, so she's going to date whomever she pleases. Good job, Suk. Although, really, as much as we all love Quinn, we know Eric. Eric is the one that we truly want. Eric has ever had. Yeah, it does. Amelia takes Suki to the airport the next day. It's time for the summit. On the plane with her, Mr. Catalides, Deanthea, and the lawyer who will be representing the Queen during her trial, Johan. He's. Oh, he's, he's a fierce sleazeball. He's disgusting. But he's probably the best type of person to defend someone in a murder trial. The vampires are all on board too, in their coffins. Suki sees coffins belonging to the Queen, Eric, Bill, Andre, Siegbert, Gervais, a sheriff who has been hosting the Queen, and Sheriff Varia III, Cleo. 
Mr. Katalides notices Suki looking at the coffins and speaks to her about Johan, who hasn't really talked to Suki about her being the only witness to Andrea killing the king of Arkansas. I don't know if this lawyer is really a good guy. I question his uh, credentials personally, but you know. When they arrive at the summit at the Pyramid of Giza Hotel, Suki goes to her room and finds she is sharing it with Gervais's human girlfriend, Carla, who prefers to be naked. Because <laughs> why not? She connects with Barry the bellboy and then goes to meet with the queen. She learns that she will be with the queen whenever she is around humans and gets a schedule of events. Soon enough, Stan, the king of Texas, arrives and brings Barry along with him. It's a big deal that Stan has come to visit. It shows that there are still vampires who are loyal to Sophie Ann and support her in her murder allegations. Suki answers a phone call about a bag that was left by someone in their party that needs to be retrieved, and then Barry and Suki leave shortly thereafter to practice their mind-reading abilities. They enjoy their time together and discover that they are stronger when they work together. As they are practicing, they hear an angry vampire asking about the party from Louisiana. This vampire is called Jennifer, and she's next in line to rule Arkansas, assuming the trial does not go in Sophie-Anne's favour. She threatens to eat Suki and stake all the Louisiana vampires on the roof to burn in the sun. So she's a really, really delightful person. She's a great person. Suki is relieved when Quinn comes up, but disturbed when Barry is excited to meet him and is cowed by his fighting abilities. Uh, what? Excuse me, what? <laughs> Quinn says they'll talk about that later. They also meet an interesting woman named Batiana, who is a brickling, a powerful being from another dimension, who is at Summit working as a bodyguard for the King of Kentucky. This is like the only thing I cannot remember. I do not remember that. I didn't remember the Britlingans either. No. I did not remember the Britlingans. Suki reports the Britlingan and Jennifer's attitude when she goes back to see the Queen. Sophie Ann gives Jennifer a call and offers to come down and see her in a minute. But that minute turns into like 15. And when they arrive at the Arkansas room, it is to find Jennifer and several of the other Arkansas vampires dead. Ooh. Such a terrible thing. I don't know how I feel about this. Being from Arkansas myself, like, they're really putting Arkansas down and murdering all the Arkansas vampires, and everything's terrible. <laughs> it makes me sad. Well, you're just going to have to become a vampire and become a vampire queen of, of Arkansas. That I guess is the so. Only I guess so. I guess so. Get your finger out your butt and get it done. Man, if I could be a vampire, it would be really great. <laughs> An investigation ensues, mainly led by Siebert, Batania, and her companion, Britlingen, Clovash. I love their names. The hotel's human security guard, Todd, is there too, and notices that there's gum on the security camera lens, which was probably put there by a vampire who didn't want anyone to witness a murder. The owner of the hotel, Christian, is also there, and he gets a little too close to the queen for anyone's comfort. As they're all standing around, a lone vampire, Henrik, arrives at the suite and freaks out. 
He's the only remaining Arkansas vampire at the summit, and now one of just five left in the entirety of the state. Sophie Ann immediately offers him a place with her, as she's now technically the leader of Arkansas since Jennifer is dead. Does this mean that there will no longer be a trial? As the group disperses, Mr. Catalides suggests to Sophie-Anne that she remarry right away to have a strong ally and so the hotel owner will leave her alone. That's right, get married to keep all those pesky people at bay. That's the only thing you can do. They ponder which king or queen would be best, not Mississippi because he's getting married to Indiana later in the summit, not Kentucky because of Brittingdon's, maybe Florida or Alabama? Suki suggests that Sophie Ann make Andre the new king of Arkansas, since she can technically do that now, and then just marry him. This seems like a very good idea to both of them. How did they not think of this before? I don't know. They always say that Suki thinks out of the box. It's because she reads books. She does. She hasn't read a good book in a while, though. Well, she might have. She just hasn't mentioned it. That's right. After this, the group goes down to the lobby of the hotel, where there are many booths set up for perusal. Suki and Barry are on the lookout for anything or anyone suspicious that might be tied to the Arkansas deaths. Suki comes across a booth for Extremely Elegant Events, Quinn's company, and is immediately judged by the girl working there. She's not very nice when Suki reveals that she's dating Quinn. Suki also sees Bill and Pam at Bill's vampire database table. I called it a database this time. Aren't we so proud of me? Instead of calling it a vampire phone book or a vampire scrapbook. It's a scrapbook. (laughs) Then Suki sees Russell Edgington, the king of Mississippi, and they chat about Lorena disappearing from his mansion. Now, he's not upset by that at all. (laughs) I love that he mentions, like, yeah, there was some sludge at the bottom of the pool. But you know it's fine. About it? I mean, a bit of bleach got rid of it, so no big. <laughs> it's fine. Russell introduces Suki to the king of Indiana, Bartlett, and then Russell learns that Suki is dating Quinn, who has set up their wedding ceremony, which will be performed by Eric, who has been ordained as a minister on the internet. Because of course. <laughs> Russell is intrigued about Suki dating Quinn. What is the deal with him? Why is everyone so obsessed with Quinn? Because he's great. As the time for the ceremony arrives, Suki sees Razul, the Queen's driver, and with him is Jake Purfoy. Suki talks to Jake a little bit about his new life and about Quinn. Eric performs the ceremony and Suki gets Jake to spill all he knows about Quinn. When he was young, Quinn's mother was trapped by dogfighters. He transformed for the first time and killed all the trappers who were sexually abusing his mother, then went to the vampires for help. The vampires agreed to help Quinn if he would fight for them for three years. He agreed and began placing bets on himself to win and made a lot of money doing so. No one has ever beaten him in a fight. Yikes. Suki also learns that Quinn's mother got pregnant from that night and the angry girl working in the extremely elegant events booth is his sister. This isn't something that Suki was prepared to learn and she feels bad that she didn't wait for Quinn to tell her himself. Because surely you would have, right? Surely. 
After this, Suki just wants to get away from everyone for a little while, and Sophie-Anne sends her to retrieve the suitcase that they were called about earlier. Andre finds her and drags her down a hallway and tries to force her to drink his blood so she will be more closely tied to him and therefore Sophie-Anne. The Queen and Andre have a special connection thanks to an ability of Sophie-Anne's. She can telepathically communicate with her offspring, and Suki will be included in that, kind of, if she drinks Andre's blood. Eric swoops in then and suggests that Suki drink his blood instead. They've already shared blood several times and been lovers, and he's loyal to the queen, so it should be good enough. Suki reluctantly agrees, and soon she's drinking blood from Eric's nipple. Quinn bursts down the hallway then and is really pissed off. Unsurprising. And Suki is immediately terrified because she just learned that he is a monster fighter and has never lost a fight ever. Suki takes off down the hallway, makes her way to the baggage claim area, and retrieves a suitcase that has a difficult to read label. It at least says Louisiana, so she takes it. Someone from Iowa is doing the same thing. Hotel staff in that area are not very friendly. The jerks, the absolute jerks. They are. And one's mind is shielded from Suki, but she still takes the suitcase and heads back up to Louisiana's rooms. On her way, just outside the Queen's room, she spots a soda can in a planter. It bothers her that someone would just leave their trash around like that, so she decides she'll toss it in the nearest garbage can. When she picks the can up, she realises it's not a discarded soda. It's a bomb. Damn. But Tanya comes out of the elevator right then and calls for Clovash once she realizes Suki has a bomb. They call Todd, the security chief, who calls the bomb squad. Quinn and Eric show up shortly thereafter and both refuse to leave Suki's side and both try, unsuccessfully, to take the bomb from her. Soon enough, a bomb-detecting robot gets off the elevator, then leaves, replaced by a vampire from the bomb squad. Eventually, Suki is free of the bomb and is alone with Quinn, who holds her tightly. Apparently, his anger from witnessing the blood drinking earlier has died away. Once the area is safe, swarms of people come up, wanting to talk to Suki. In the Queen's rooms, Suki drops off the suitcase she retrieved while everyone talks about what happened. Todd thinks he's going to get fired and that the soda bomb and the death of the Arkansas vampires are separate events. Soon, Suki feels a radiating warmth and then Eric comes through the door. They talk about why Bill didn't come up to try to rescue her, like she gives a fuck, and then she starts yelling about being forced to drink his blood. But really, it'll be less bad to be tied to Eric instead of Andre. The Queen dismisses Suki after his outburst and forces Andre to explain to her just what the hell Suki is yelling about. Quinn greets Suki outside the Queen's door and together they go to her room and go straight to sleep. Before dozing off, Suki tells Quinn that she has no issues with his past, and he seems pleased. Well, that's sweet. Yeah. The next day, Suki calls Amelia to see what she's up to. She says she's worked at Merlot's a little, and then asks Suki about the summit so far. Suki talks about the wedding, and about how she's getting ready for a ball. She doesn't mention anything terrible that has happened, and will save it for later. Suki gets her ball gown on, and is about to leave her room when she's summoned by the Queen and called by Quinn at the same time. They've decided to have a trial, even though Jennifer is dead. A very, very old blind vampire called the Ancient Pythoness is brought in to cast judgment. She's apparently been around since Alexander the Great's time, so she's very old indeed. 
The trial begins with an interview of Henrik, the Arkansas vampire, who, Suki reads from his lawyer's mind, was told that Sophie Ann was going to kill him. Well, that's just not true. Suki stands up and says so, realizing at that moment that uh, she was actually reading Henrik's mind. She's reading vampire minds now? Oops. The ancient Pythonus hears Suki's account of Henrik being threatened to say bad things about Sophie Ann and declares that Arkansas now belongs to the queen without even needing to hear Suki's testimony of what happened the night of the king of Arkansas's death. As the ancient Pythonus asks Henrik to tell who threatened him, he's struck with an arrow. God damn it. <laughs> damn! Surprise arrow! I used to be a vampire and took a, until I took an arrow to the knee. Damn. Another arrow comes sailing by, almost hitting Suki, but Quinn jumps in and takes the arrow in the shoulder. Britannia throws a throwing star and decapitates the vampire who threw, not shot, the arrows. Shifter paramedics come to take Quinn away to heal while Eric searches the archer's body for ID. They discover he's called Kyle and Eric tells Suki to go out the next day to the archery ranges nearby to find out anything she can about this vampire hitman. Eric thinks that someone went to a lot of trouble to make sure the trial went the way it went. So, who? Who did it? Why? Who is setting this up? And why arrows? And I love that Batania decapitates him with a throwing star. <laughs> She's got panache. She really, really does. And then she, like, picks it up and just wipes it off on her slacks. <laughs> Shining it up. You've got to keep it clean, otherwise you're not taking care of your weapons. It's true. It's, it's true. It's irresponsible, otherwise. After the trial ends, a team comes in and quickly resets the room for the dance. Suki goes to check in with the queen, but then the festivities start. Professional vampire dancers take to the floor, and then Eric asks Suki to dance. They whirl around and even fly a little bit. But then Suki excuses herself, upset that she's enjoying her time with Eric instead of being with Quinn. The restroom attendant seems to really hate Suki, which doesn't bother her much, but what does bother her is when she sees Gervais a few moments later and reads his mind. My God. Another vampire mind. Suki begins to freak out since she's read two vampire minds that evening, but she shakes it off, assuming that the extra ability will fade with time. Then she spots a witch and his wife and gleans that he is a weather witch, just like she suggested earlier. She takes the witch and his wife to Andre and then gets back to the ball. Suki spots Barry and the two start dancing, but Eric interrupts because he thinks Suki is showing off a little too much. The professional dancers split them up before they can cause a scene and one of them tells Suki that he's ready to leave the United States because the Fellowship of the Sun is probably going to start a war with the vampires. Or maybe the werewolves if they reveal themselves. While she continues dancing with the professional, Suki thinks of who could be behind all the terrible events that have taken place. But she doesn't get anywhere. She leaves the ball and decides she needs to check on Quinn. Suki makes her way to Jake Purifoy's room, thinking he might know where Quinn is since they used to work together. But Jake reveals that because he can't shift anymore, you know, because he's a vampire werewolf, none of the wares want anything to do with him. But mostly, that's on him. He says Quinn is in the infirmary and sends Suki on her way. She realizes that there are two others in the room with him and that he's hiding them from her, 
but she gets a brainwave from someone saying they should all die. Ooh. Um, that is not good. Ooh. Suki goes to her room and finds the location of the infirmary, then goes back to eavesdrop on Jake, but his companions, one of whom works in the baggage claim area, maybe the same mind-shielded guy, have already left his room. Why is Jake hanging out with the hotel staff? He catches her, and she pretends to have come back to see if he wants to go with her to see Quinn, but he turns her down. Hmm. All these pieces, Suki. All these pieces. Hmm. Quinn isn't too happy to see Suki, thinking that she's come to break up with him to be with Eric. Oh, Quinn, no. She says she has no intention of doing that, and he says she really wouldn't if Eric was staked. No! Don't do it! No. No. Leave the beautiful, beautiful men alone. She doesn't want that to happen and asks that Quinn trust her and her ability to keep her love life and whatever is happening with Eric separate. Then he gets mad at Andre for putting her into that situation with Eric. She doesn't say anything about not staking him. She kisses Quinn and leaves him to rest. I'm glad she's like, no, no, don't stake Eric. Oh, Andre? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a person who is uh-huh. uh, over there. Uh-huh, oh, yeah. Look. Uh-huh. There's one of the owls from earlier. Oh, do you, do you oh. Like yeah. oh. <laughs> I'll just do this kind of doctor pepper while you <laughs> The situation is so misunderstood. I know. <laughs> Everything is just so confusing. When Suki leaves the infirmary, Clavash is waiting for her. They chat about why she and Batania were hired to protect the King of Kentucky. He found out that there was a Fellowship of the Sun spy in his entourage and learned that they have something big and bad planned to go down here at the summit. Is that why the Arkansas vampires were killed? Or why the soda bomb was planted? Neither of these things seem that serious, though. So what else could the Fellowship be planning? The soda bomb wouldn't have caused more than a scare to Sophie Ann, so surely... Something worse is coming. But what? So many questions. Suki goes back to check in with Queen, and while she's passing the other kings and queens, she sees one who is fake, scared by her date. Suki almost has a thought about this, but then it's gone. (laughs) She was like, huh? Uh No. Suki asks Sofiane about the weather witch and says she'll deal with him later and that Suki is dismissed for now and can do what she pleases. She goes back to her room and falls asleep. The next day, Suki goes down to the restaurant to eat with Barry. They look over the agenda for the night, which includes more trials that Suki must attend. Until then, she and Barry go out to search the archery ranges. Bill provides a list of local places and a photo of Kyle the archer. Before they can leave, Suki is met by Todd, who tells Suki that Christian, the hotel manager, is interested in Sophie-Anne, but not interested in women being able to make their own decisions. Ah, oh, fuck that guy. He also suggests that Suki 
that Sofiane asked Christian to see the security tapes from the night of the soda bomb. Okay. Then hmm. she and Barry head out. I mean, it's a, that's actually a very good idea. Yeah, I don't Check know why. Tapes. Check the security tapes. Because you know what? The gum isn't just going to magically appear there. You're clearly going to see who put it on the camera lens. They drive to several archery ranges and finally find the one Kyle visited. The lady working the desk sexually tells Barry to come back when she gets off work, and she'll show him the security tapes from the night before. Right when she gets off. Suki leaves a message with the Queen and Andre as to what they're doing, but when they go back later in the evening, things are terrible. The door is ripped off the hinges, the clerk is dead, and the security tapes have been burned. (laughs) Suki presses an alarm, and she and Barry rush away. Damn. I was really impressed with my sexual voice, though. Uh, The huskiness is really... Doing something for me. Uh, do, I, do I need to just leave you in a room alone for a second? Uh-uh. Uh, no, I was about to say, and then I mute the microphone to cough. <laughs> they get back in time for the trials, but Barry is pissed that they're left without telling anyone what happened. Eric stops Barry from yelling at Sookie, and then she tells him what happened. Later, she heads to the trials. She watches as half the fangless vampire is staked for harassment and a child vampire is threatened with hand removal if he doesn't spend time with his birth family. Such good trials. What is this? (laughs) You don't get this on Judy. No, you don't. I wish you did, though. That'd be a great show. Amazing. It turns out Suki wasn't really needed at the trials, but Sophie-Anne requests her presence for the next bit of the evening, where she'll be visited by people that want to help rebuild New Orleans. This isn't very exciting either, and as it wraps up, they all go back to the Queen's suite. Suki did see some human waiters acting suspiciously, but as she had to sit with the Queen, she didn't get to investigate. She also learns that Mr. Catalides, that Dantha, is investigating an extra Louisiana coffin in the baggage area. That's weird. And they're all just like, yeah, okay, let's go check it out because there's an extra coffin. What? That's not a thing. It's not a thing. It's really not. Five vampires, five coffins, you know? Yeah. I like how in the book, she's like, it's not like they bring a, you know, a casual coffin and a dress-up coffin. <laughs> this one's for sexy times, this one's for sleeping. Andre half-ass apologizes for forcing Suki to drink his or Eric's blood, and then she tells him about what Todd said about getting Sophie Ann to ask Christian for the security tapes. She also talks to Jake about her plans for the next day. He heavily suggests that she get out of the hotel and go shopping with Quinn, which she just might do. Then she asks him to take the unclaimed luggage back to the baggage area, and he just shrugs and says he'll ask around. Red flags. Red flags. All the red flags. There's a parade of red flags right now. So many. 
Jake just has one and he's waving it. It's but like no the, one's paying attention the to him. Twirling thing. Yes. With the red flags. But no one's paying attention to him because he's a werewolf vampire and nobody likes him. No, he's got no friends. He's a bit enormous. After this odd interaction, Siki is dismissed for the evening and goes to her room and to bed. I feel like it's um it's it's another selection. And then she goes to her room and goes to bed. And then she goes to the women's room. And then she goes to her room and goes to bed. (laughs) Back in the women's room. Back in the queen's suite. Well, in her bedroom, Suki is abruptly walking by Barry, shouting in her head that they need to get out of the hotel. Something bad is about to happen. They scramble and wake Mr. Catalides and Diantha and explain what they think is going to happen. The extra suitcases and extra coffins, multiple coffins at this point, people, are bombs planted by the Fellowship of the Sun and Jake Purfoy help them. What a <laughs> dick. You know, if they had just been watching his baton twirling routine, they would have known. Yes. <laughs> Suki calls Quinn and tells him to get out, then goes for Eric and Pam, while Mr. Catalities and Diantha go for Sophianne, and Barry heads for his king. They pull a fire alarm and hope that they'll get the humans out and emergency help on the way. Suki manages to wake Eric, and together they put Pam in her coffin and ride it down the outside of the pyramids. <laughs> Eric lifts Suki in flight right before the coffin smashes to the ground. An ambulance arrives then and Suki tells them to take Eric and Pam somewhere safe while she goes back to help the others. Mr. Cataliades smashes through the Queen's window and launches the suitcase bomb through the air just before it explodes. He has wrapped Sophie Ann in blankets and takes her to safety. Suki searches the rubble for more vampires and finds... Bill. Ugh. Ugh. She can't help but cover him up. Ugh. You really can. You really, really can. And he's like, oh, I knew you'd find me, Suki. I knew you'd find me. Suki, mm. you are mad. No. no. Fuck off. Stop Fuck it, off, Bill. Bill. Stop, stop it. it. You stop. You stop it. Ugh. Suki goes in search of others and finds Andre, who isn't looking too good, and then spots Quinn and Franny nearby. Quinn tells Suki that he's going to have to take care of his sister for a while, so they probably won't see each other, and she's okay with that. He tells her to go and help others while looking suspiciously over at Andre. Giving him the evil eye. And he picks up a red flag. Really sharp, pointy red flag. (laughs) Red flags everywhere. Suki finds Barry, and together they convince a firefighter of their ability to find living humans, and they begin rescuing people. Just before dark, Suki tells the rescue workers that the vampires will be rising soon, and they'll be searching for blood. So, they'd better get away. She calls Mr. Catalities, and he suggests that she and Barry go to a hotel and pay with cash, because people are going to be looking for them and exploiting their abilities, which both she and Barry already thought of. A cab comes by and they take you away to a hotel. 
The next day, Mr. Cataliades comes by to report on the survivors. The queen is alive, but missing her legs. Damn. King Stan is alive, but badly injured. Eric, Pam, Bill, and Seabert are all okay. Diantha is missing, and Quinn is in the hospital. Baring tells them that he investigated the waiters who were avoiding them the night before and learned that something bad was about to happen, but not really what or when, so he did the best he could. Suki tells them about Christian planting the soda bomb. Then Mr. Cataliades not so subtly hints that the Queen and Seabert were responsible for the Arkansas deaths. Mr. Cataliades then tells them that a plane will be arriving later that will take them and the survivors back home, and if they're not on it, he'll assume they've found another way home. Barry heads to the airport while Suki gets to the hospital to see Quinn. She doesn't really want to see any vampires right now and decides she's not going to fly home with them. At the hospital, Franny is with Quinn, who is recovering quite well, but is still out. Suki apologises to an unknowing Quinn about Jip Purfoy being in on the attacks. Then Franny tells her she's going to have to take Quinn home to Memphis. Suki knows this and knows that she won't get to see him for a while, and then tries to figure out how to get home herself. Franny offers her car and Suki takes her up on it. It's a good excuse to see them again sometime soon. When Suki finally gets home, Amelia is ecstatic to see her. She read about the explosion in the newspaper and saw that Suki was listed as a survivor, so she's been anxiously waiting for her to get home. Tara pulls up shortly afterward, having seen Suki drive by her shop, and tells her that she and JB got married while Suki was gone. Suki's excited for her friend and hopes that everything will go well for them in the future, but she just can't get over all the terrible things she's experienced in the past few days, most especially how she saw Quinn reach out from the rubble after she left him to help others and saw him stake Andre. (laughs) With a red flag. (laughs) He did it for her, and she's gonna have to live with that. Suki promises herself after this, that she is not going to have anything to do with vampires or wares anymore. <laughs> yeah, right, Suki. <laughs> you just keep telling yourself that, my friend. Oh, bless my sweet summer child. <laughs> <laughs> How long do we give her? When does the next book start? About two minutes time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right, well, I'm going to go and join the red flag parade that's currently going on outside. I think that's a really good idea. I'm going to do that too. I'm going to join my contingent of the red flag parade over here on this side, and you join yours, and then we'll meet in the middle, and we'll stake each other. Wait. No, don't do that. Meet in the middle. Yeah. Forget the rest of what I said. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so everyone, um, enjoy this promo from another podcast. Hi there, I'm Volley, one of the hosts of the Reading Queens podcast. If you love books, fandom discussions, and having a good time, join your new internet friends as we take on such topics and more. Hosted by a group of published authors, Reading Queens is a podcast for every book lover. Every week, we get together to blab about our favorite books, why we love them, and the book boyfriends we wish were real. You can find the episodes on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other platforms, with a new episode launching every Wednesday. Thanks. Now back to the show. Are we back? 
We're back. We're back. Hi. We're back. Hey. Woo. What a fun period. <laughs> Those are really good. <laughs> How many freaking weddings? Seriously. Just, was it necessary? So many weddings. We still haven't seen Haley and Andy and Portia and Gary, I think his name is. I don't know. Generic named fiance. We haven't seen their double wedding yet. But Jason and Tara got, like, what? What was with Tara's wedding? Why? I don't know. It was confusing. I don't know how much I particularly liked that part because it just felt shoehorned in. It did. And I don't remember it having any particular knock-on effect to any of the storyline later on this, the books. I so... mean, there was... I mean, I don't know about later on, but there was some moment in this one where Bill is pestering Suki about, like, liking Quinn and loving Eric and... Or does she have a thing for JB? Like, It was so freaking random. It, it really, really was. Now, JB, to be fair, has been in the background of pretty much every book. But he's such a non-entity. Like, why, I don't, we don't even include that in the summary because he's just, he's just a hunky stud who's standing around in the background, you know, not doing anything. Well, he is a he non-entity. Is the hot jock from high school that everybody fancied. That's it. And he's a nice guy, but she doesn't want to date him. And we know this from, like, book one. Yeah. So it's like, it. I don't know. It just, it seemed very ra- random. And like, oh, what do we need? We need another wedding. Really? I suppose it kind of closes off the Tara storyline that she's not going to be involved in more vamps. But yeah. We knew this already because she's had such a bad time. She's she's not going to mess with the undead anymore. But yeah, I just... I don't know. Maybe they'll yeah. just get them both out of the way and then we won't have to worry about them anymore. Yeah, yeah. I was like, really? The Jason wedding. I remembered it happening. I, re- and I remember the vow that she has to take and Calvin has to take. And I remember thinking the first time round, and it happened again this time, that's really freaking harsh that if the bridal party, either of those, commit whatever sin within the marriage, Suki and Calvin have to pay the price. Yeah, and the fact when they said that, they were like, oh, we're not talking money here. This is not, this is not a money price you have to pay. Like, it is pound of flesh. How much blood? All of it. Yikes! <sighs> Get so you, out you of hotshot. Reluctance to take part in it. At least she can tell from Jason's thoughts that he is sincere. At that time, yeah. Currently, he is currently sincere. <laughs> But not Crystal, and she even calls her out on it and says, hey, you're lying. And then Calvin just shrugs, and they go on with the wedding. Like, what? I don't know. I don't know. It's just all so freaking 
again, it, it felt a little bit random. Like, I don't know, do, 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 did we need that in at this particular time? Did it serve a particular purpose? I mean, I think that it did serve a purpose. Not the wedding, because who fucking cares about that? But we did see that the Panthers were all really, like, in awe of Quinn. So it's another, just another thing piecing along with Quinn's backstory that the that the Panthers were all like, oh, man, that's who you're dating now? Oh, whoa, whoa, look at him, you know? So they clearly know about his fighting past. Which is weird for such an insulated community. Yeah, but can't you imagine that they need to earn some money so they oh, yeah. s- they Ooh. get their best fighter drunk and send him out to punch a tiger? Ass is kicked by yes. a tiger. Yeah. So yeah, I can I see that. it. I get do you know it. What, do you know what it feels like to me? Jason's wedding would have been a short story if she hadn't learned her lesson about doing important events in short stories. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. And potentially even the Tara Derby relationship would have been a short story. Either that hasn't come to fruition. It hasn't, to my knowledge, it's not one I've read. And I'm sure I've read them all. Um, Again, it just felt like one of these. That's maybe. A side thought. Maybe. She needed more pages. <laughs> she, needed for, word she needed more words for this book. So she had to add in these little bits of things. Although we yeah. did learn, in addition to the Panthers being you know, very impressed by Sookie dating Quinn, we did learn that maybe Amelia has a cat fetish. Because she turned her boyfriend into a cat during their sexual escapades, and then she had sex with a panther. Now, we don't know if he was was in panther form or not. It was a boy panther, and she's promised Bob that she won't have any further relationships with boys well that's after the fact that's when she gets back from that evening yeah so amelia is very open in her lovemaking men women cats it's fine fine. i have we do not king shame we don't this is a perfect accepting i love amelia i love the fact that she's open and yes it's a perfect example it's a perfect example of us not kink shaming yes (laughs) i have questions though like but just because i'm nosy (laughs) okay i'm i need to write a note because i started to say something so what are what is your question no 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 go for it go for it it's just i just want to ask amelia like the actual nitty-gritty of her cat fetish because i'm nosy I know, we do. We need to know. We need to know about that. Um, I was just going to move on to something else and then say that I needed to investigate it in all of the um, Sookie texts. Sookie's got a thing for nipples. (laughs) So 
it's kind it's kind of tied, you know, to our not kink shaming. But she really has. Uh, maybe well, it's not you know. Maybe yes. it's maybe it's just Charlene. Maybe Charlene has a nipple obsession. Should we tweet her and ask? No, because she probably wouldn't respond. Um, but in this one. There are at least two nipple references, and I am going to go back between this episode and our next Suki episode. I am going to investigate how many nipple references there are in all of the Suki books, and I'll we'll keep a tally from then on. It's going to be like the hairbrushing that happened in the first few books. Oh, no. Oh no. But there's there's a real there's a real big thing with nipples. And like this one when she finally gets to have sex with Quinn, she's like, "Oh, you know, his nipples, they're right there. They're right at eye level. His his big dark nipples." And then like she sucks on one and rubs on the other. Like is that I mean, is that as enticing for gentlemen as it is for ladies? I think it's the same as with ladies. It depends on the individual. Yeah. So, anyway. And then she drinks blood, not from Eric's nipple, but, like, he cuts right below it. Well, that's because it's generally, there's, like, a vein that goes around it. Yeah, and it's right at, you know, her level. Maybe that's the problem, or the thing, like, why it's (laughs) stimulated. It's because of her height. Men's nipples are all at her eye line. Yes. Suki is as tall as a man's nipple. That's how we measure height now. Nipples. (laughs) Nipples. By nipples. By nipples or with nipples? It's by nipples. By nipples. (sighs) Nipples is a unit of measurement. It is nipples as a unit of measurement. So how many nipples I, high are you? I just want everyone to know that I'm going to go back and investigate and see how many nipples. I wish I had these books on ebook now, and I could literally just put in a find a search. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to check them all out from the library. Mint. And and search for nipples. A nipple investigation. Yes, a nipple the investigation. The grand nipple investigation. Twenty twenty two. It's gonna be great. But it just it it happens in every single book, and there's just like the nipples are like pencil erasers. Nipples, his erect nipples. They're so pointy. His so dark, high. his dark nipples. I realized I was high as a nipple. So anyway, I just thought I would bring that to everyone's attention and let you know that I'm going to research it. Thank you for being so selfless and doing this for science. If you write sure. it down, it's officially a science. It is officially a science. Nipple. Nipple science. Nipple science. Um, so I, I was really happy in this one that, um, that Barry... The bellboy made a comeback. You know, we knew it would happen eventually because you can't just mention another telepath and then forget about him. So I'm glad that Barry the bellboy has has returned 
and also has changed his name to Barry the Bellboy. That's literally how he registered at the hotel, Barry the Bellboy. But I think I think it's really neat, for lack of a better word, that they team up and, you know, like when they're holding hands, their powers are increased. Yeah. So I, just, I think that's really neat. I liked that bit of the storyline. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, but I actually think Barry the Bellboy is a little bit of a wiener. As oh, well. he's definitely a wiener um, bag. 1,000% a wiener bag. How can you work for a, a vampire king and not realize you GTFO from a crime scene? You know? He has a lot of moral and ethical hurdles he needs to overcome in his line of work. And he needs to do it quickly. Suki, on the other hand, gives zero shits. She knows the deal. Yep, get she out of there. She knows it's a crime scene. Get out. Whereas Barry is it seems it seems like he's retaining a lot. Like and even to the end when they're talking and he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to get on that plane. I don't really want to be around you anymore." He constantly like tell he's constantly saying to Suki, "This is great. We've got pals. Let's t- team up and you know, Scooby do this." But I don't want to be around you anymore because I just no. Where's dude? You're working for vampires. Their laws are literally cutting people's hands off and defanging people. Those were good trials, by the way. They were were excellent trials. Ridiculous. Yeah. I did enjoy Barry, but he is a wiener boy. Yeah, you're really, you're really, really right about him being a wiener bag because I'm pretty sure, you know, she connects with him when they get to the hotel mentally and then when she sees him for the first time he like strolls up in a silk shirt unbuttoned with a gold chain dude wiener bag (laughs) great big pile of wieners i bet he's got greased back hair as well he probably does he wears shirt one button too open yeah to that it's that uncomfortable leg yeah. It's not a good look. Yeah. How'd you feel about the bombs? Multiple frustrated. bombs. Frustrated? Yeah, I'm going to go with frustrated. It was so freaking obvious. I even remember the first time around. You do not, in very sensitive situations, not even sensitive situations, you do not go to the luggage people and be like yeah this one's obviously my bag i'll claim it you do not claim unknown luggage no basic hotel travel 101 you do not pick up a bag you cannot identify the owner of and alarm bells red flags should be going when there's multiple occurrences of this and freaking unknown coffins as well <sighs> the coffins didn't turn up until later, so they didn't. But the entire situation, I was just getting so freaking frustrated with. Yeah, because it's... it was just it was glaringly in the face that it something so bad's was. going on. And then when you so added was. up with Jake's weird behavior and the odd little weird occurrences that's happening, the security at this summit was shit. I just, yeah. 
What's the point in having all these bodyguards, having freaking telepaths, having the security of the hotel there? It didn't work at all in any conceivable way, regardless of there being bombs. No, and really, I mean, I feel like there wasn't a lot of security. I mean, there was the there was the human security guard who runs the security at the hotel, but like... He didn't care, he just wanted a pension because he was ill. Yeah. I feel like they were really lax in in like checking bags and stuff and then and they mentioned even like hey, don't the coffins have to go through a metal detector and they're like, "Nah. Nah, cuz there's metal on the coffins and it's not like we can just shake down the vampires who are sleeping peacefully inside of them." Like, shouldn't you try to search them a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And it was really frustrating when Suki finally goes down to retrieve the bag. And there's the other guy there, too. And both of the tags are like, oh, I can't read what this says. I can't read who it's for. But it's got my state on it, so I'll take it. Like, don't you think that's a little bit fishy? And it's the fact that they had to come down to claim it. If it was a ho- any hotel, like... I would have thought would have brought it up to you if this is supposed to be such a high end. Well, they had a fake excuse for that. Some liability issue or something. They had oh, an explanation for that, but like, oh, It stunk of crap. Oh yeah, it was all terrible. And I yeah. just, I'm, I'm ashamed at Suki, who is always lauded as thinking out of the box. And she didn't think that there's something wrong with this. It was also frustrating that Barry had inklings and did nothing about it until it was too late. Yeah. Like, have a conversation. In your heads, even. Just somebody. It was It was a very... The entire explosion storyline thing. And I, 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 I liked it in there. I liked the fact that the Fellowship have taken such an extreme reaction now from you know this little cult that's bigoted cult is now a terrorist cell in fact so i enjoy that element but the things about the coffins and the 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 soda can and the 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 suitcases especially just frustrated the life out of me yeah really frustrated and then the coffins to top it off made it even worse yes but i will admit like the resulting coffin surfing that she and Eric did with Pam in the coffin was delightful. And the strength that Eric has to be able to get up during the daylight hours, put Pam in her coffin, get it through those glass windows, then surf down and then fly to make sure Suki's okay is phenomenal. It's huge huge so i really enjoyed that um i am a little like they they mentioned you know that eric is very strong because he can do this and they mentioned how bill was able to be awake and shamble a little bit you know and he's 130 whatever years old and eric is obviously much much older than bill what about sophie ann 
she's older than Eric. She's supposed to be, you know, so powerful, whatever. Why wasn't she able to wake up and shamble around? Well, I think she was shambling because Mr. Cataldi's just had her wrapped in a blanket. If she was so incapacitated, he would have put her in a coffin. Maybe he wasn't strong enough to get her coffin out the way Suki and Eric did. Because it took both of them, which, come on, Suki didn't, Suki didn't do Suki anything. Didn't do anything. <laughs> That's like having a jar, mindlessly not being able to open it, passing it to somebody who does open and go, oh, I, 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 I got it started for you. Yeah. You didn't. Suki did nothing. No. I think, well, Mr. Catalanese, though, he threw the suitcase out of the window. So you'd be able to smash the glass. Yeah. So the fact that he didn't put, maybe the coffin wasn't there in the room. Maybe. I mean, her suite was probably much bigger than everyone else's, so. Just get a, just get a blanket just... throw, God. So I do think she was able to at least part of the way get out before, you know, she lost her legs. Yeah. Because she's, she's freaking old. Yeah. Yeah, she really is. And I'm glad they rescued Pam. And I'm glad Pam was in a little bit more in this one. She was. That was good. She's so freaking sarcastic. I love Pam the bits. So much. Can we talk about Andre and Quinn for just a moment after the explosion? Yes. So, obviously, Quinn has dispatched Andre. Yes. With a red flag. With a red flag. What I want to talk about is, does Suki deserve this? Does Suki deserve Quinn and Eric and even boring Bill? We'll throw him into the mix. And to some extent, Sam, to some extent, Calvin, being so enthralled by her that they're literally killing people. It's the fairy blood. You can't tell me it's anything else. You can't tell me... It's probably a personality. I was about to say, you cannot tell me that it's her glowing personality that everyone is so obsessed with. It's got to be the fairy blood. Mm. And we learned that, you know, because of the fairy blood, supernatural men are attracted to her. Not regular men. So that's got to be what it is. I mean, she's funny sometimes. She's, you know, she's got a couple of things going for her. Big boobs. She's got, she's got big boobs. Really nice hair. And she can dance. That bothered me, by the way. This is like... Well, we're Suki bashing. This is like the fourth book. Where she mentions, I can't sing, but boy, can I dance. Well, go on, America's Got Talent, then, love. Yeah, or, you know, become a stripper. Work at Claude and Claudine's strip club. Yeah. Because that seems to be the kind of dancing that she's good at. You know, Eric Uh, flipped uh. out (gasps) when she was dancing with Barry. And we've... Also been embarrassed by her dancing at that Club werewolf Dead. bar. Yeah, at, at Club Dead. I feel like that's the kind of dancing that she's good at. And so... If she can grind. That, that's all I'm getting up. Yeah, so maybe... 
if she really legitimately wants to get away from vampires, she needs to become a stripper. She did on toes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. she can maybe she can install a stripper pole at Merlot's. <laughs> I'm sure Sam would be fine with it. Amelia would certainly have a go. Yeah. Yeah, it's just starting to bother me a little bit how I don't know how much I like Suki at the moment. Because, I mean, we've, we do mention the fact that she's, her attitude towards Bill was never very good while they were together. Mm-hmm. And then once the whole incident occurred how she's too forgiving yeah she's inconsistent she's a very unreliable narrator and i've just i don't know how much of a nice person suki really is she killed freaking derek but debbie pelt that's fine debbie needed to go yeah but she is starting to, and I think in this one, it's like harking back to the conversation about how Barry is an absolute wiener and he needs to work on his ethical and moral compass. Mm-hmm. Because if he's going to work for vampires, he needs to have that a little bit skewy. Suki's never had any issue with that, it feels like. Or if she has, she's questioned it for five minutes and then got over it and got on with things. Which, from an independent, strong woman, you know, driving towards a career, I get, and I'm fine with that. But I don't think Suki's a nice person. No, I don't think she is either. And it's starting to bother me a little bit. I I don't mind it. I don't... I mean, there's a couple of times where she acts like a Mary Sue, and that's annoying, but... Oh, God, yeah. I... I like that she's actually not. She is out for number one, and she's out for nipples. Yeah. And that's it. No, I'm fine with that. I am genuinely actually fine with that. I'm just starting to think I don't want to lose any if I lose empathy for a main character I'm lost. You know, and I don't want to lose empathy for Suki. A lot of the side characters are the ones that keep me in. Like, I just, I freaking adore Eric. I love Quinn as well. Both of them. And I don't think either of them deserve Suki. And it's it's driving. Me I think crazy. it's the other way around. She doesn't deserve them. Yes. No, you're right. They could do better. They could do much better. Imagine them together. Ooh. That would be good. Ooh. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. I'd be perfectly fine with that. I'm surprised that Amelia hasn't gone for Quinn yet what with her cat fetish well if Quinn was available I think Amelia is respectful for people's relationships and that she would you know if she was invited she wouldn't reject but other than that she, she would she would wait for the invitation yeah yeah you're right <laughs> oh anyhow <laughs> What else? What else is there? I feel, I feel like not not a like a ton of stuff happened in this one. 
No, I feel like it was. I don't know. It's a bit weird. Quinn's backstory. Glad we've got that. Yeah, I Fine's wonder. A bitch, but I kind of like her. I wonder She's if protective. Quinn would have told Suki the truth. Probably a bit further into the relationship. Once he's sure that she's not going to judge him for his past. Because at the moment, I can perfectly understand his reluctance. You know, she did not take the pack master trials very well at all. And that's such a violent situation that I kind of think he's reluctant to reveal his violent past as well. Yeah. But also, it's his history. Does he? Does it? Does it have? How much significance does that bear on the Quinn now? I think honestly, a lot. He's got this reputation in the vampire world, in the shifter world, in the wear world, and he's got a lot of money from it. And you know, yeah, now he's not doing that anymore. But everybody knows who he is. So, I don't know. And this one, and he was he was kind of violent, or at least leaning towards violence in this one quite a bit. So it was a little bit worrisome. Yeah, but there's being able to. There's a difference between starting the fight and finishing the fight. I don't think Quinn would start the fight but he would finish it look look at the andre situation you know he didn't he he he's obviously possessive over suki but he lets her be her own person they have their own lives they have their independence but andre started something quinn finished it so he's not going to look to... He's, like, with the red flag, properly, the end, finished it. But he didn't start that situation. Yeah. So I, I don't think... I think he recognises he a situation where he is needing to use the violence. He's not going to go in there throwing the punches straight away. No, and he's smart about it. Yeah. Because it's... I mean, it's entirely plausible that Andre just died in the explosion. What exactly? Who can say? We'll never know. Shrug. Exactly. So much chaos and turmoil. First hurricane, now the explosion. Oh my gosh. No. I know. What's next? I'll have to wait a month to find out. We'll also um, have to wait a month to find out about the number of nipples <laughs> mentioned. I'm looking forward to the nipple count. Me too. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> looking it right in the eye. <laughs> eye level. What? Are they, they're askew? It can be. <laughs> Something like this. Something like that. Someone like this. There's one like that. 
There's a variety of nipples. As individual as the person they're on. Yes. Anywho, favourite character? (laughs) Favourite character. Other than Eric. Because obviously. Always Eric. I was really digging Bob the cat this time. (laughs) He wasn't even in that much. He was, he was very sassy whenever he was in. Sassy cat. He vomited in retaliation, which is a thing that cats do. Spite vomit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I um, I really, I really like Bob, and I like that he has unveiled to us. That Amelia has a cat fetish. No king shame. No king shame. Never. Never. But always Eric. Always and forever Eric. Always and forever Eric. I agree. I enjoy having Pam in more. Yes. Sassy Pam is... Love it. Um, And it was nice to have Quinn in a little bit more. But... Like third, yeah. yeah. It was nice. It was nice that he was so naked and he saw his nipples. Yes, and all of the muscles in his butt. I'm gutted that the True Blood show didn't have Quinn in. But Me I too. Can kind of understand. It didn't go down the route the same route with the relationship with Bill, per se. But then Billith happened, and like, what? Yeah. What even was that? I, maybe, maybe you just can't find somebody who would fit the Quinn MO. Too much hotness in one show. Maybe. Maybe that's right. Too many nipples. Too many nipples. I mean, a tiger's got a few. Too many mi- nipples spoil the prime time. Yes. Yes. I'm pretty sure we've already talked about our surprises, right? That that no one picked up on the fact that the unreadably labeled suitcases were bombs. I like that there was the soda bomb. And so it's almost like it's it's a red herring. In addition to the red flags, there are red herrings. And so you think the whole time, like, oh, my God, those suitcases are bombs. Those suitcases are bombs, everyone. And then you see the soda can bomb and you're like, oh, no, there's a bomb. Bombs everywhere. All bombs all the time. You know, the annoying thing is this has happened. Yes, it's happened after Katrina, but it's also happened after 9-11. Yeah. When everybody knows you only claim your own baggage. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yes. I I read a review on Goodreads that mentioned that very thing. Someone was exceptionally frustrated that that everyone would just freely claim these bags that don't belong to anyone after nine eleven. It's just. 
What is it? I mean, it was after Katrina, so Katrina was 2000. Yeah. So it's not that long. Still fresh. Still very fresh. Anyway, is it time? I think it's time. Would you rather? Would you rather share a hotel room with a stranger who's always naked, or with someone who can read your mind? I'm so upset with TikTok on this one. Yes. TikTok blocked us from sharing this one. And then I'm pretty sure they must have removed us from showing up on algorithms because after that, um, let me just, let me investigate real quick to see how many people have viewed our TikToks and so everyone will know that they're... Eleven. Eleven got this would you rather. Twelve now. Twelve. Someone else has seen it. But probably me when I looked at the <laughs> Probably. But the last No, not the last, would you rather? Not the last one, but the one before. Had twelve hundred views almost. And this one had twelve. Stop yeah. messing with us. TikTok, it's not fair. I hate it. But out of the 12 I did get, it was 100% read your mind. And on Facebook, it was 82% voted for someone who's always naked. Instagram was 88% with someone who is always naked. And on Twitter, it was 67% to someone who can read your mind. So, split. Yeah. Tis split. But we do have comments. Ooh. Annie on Facebook said, always naked if it's Eric. Wink. 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 Colin on Facebook said, always naked. Then I can get naked too. And then it's just a race to see who can make the other more uncomfortable first. <laughs> Carl on Facebook said, naked? Hopefully the stranger is something good to look at or the stairs going to be very uncomfortable. Constance on Facebook said they can be naked just leave me to snooze with my eye mask on just no helicopter sausage or bongos in the face please just a tea bag (laughs) a vampire tea bag a vampire tea bag Brie on Facebook said read my mind all day and night let them be confused trying to keep up with my illogical chaos of my thoughts and when they're too annoyed to stay in the room I get it all to myself Rebecca Studio Freelance Edit on Instagram said, Either is fine. Naked equals we all have flesh and is only weird if we let it be weird. If they don't force themselves on me, then I don't judge. Mind reader equals I'm an author. My mind is so twisted, they won't go in my mind more than once. Uh, Greta Kelly on Instagram said, Oh my god, naked person all the way. <laughs> Oh, real 
Samuel Jackson Ford on Instagram needed more context. And then I explained it to him, and he didn't. He didn't come back with anything. It's a shame. I don't think you need more context with this. You really it's don't. The, it's naked, naked or mind reader. Or Just mind choose. Reader. Yeah. Southie Zorziak on TikTok said, because I need someone to help me overcome myself. Oh. Deep. Very deep. I'm going with um, mind reading. What? You know, everyone knows how uncomfortable stuff like that makes me. So, in addition to the nipple count, which is fine, like we can have that, but I don't want to. I don't want to be around all that. So you can read my mind; it's fine. If there's not a whole lot of like sinister or mysterious things happening in my head so i'm okay with it yeah somebody can read my mind there is no interesting happening in here it's it's boring i'd just be worried that like you know did you wipe properly before you sat down on the furry rug you know you're getting body fluids in places potentially it feels it feels more unhygienic I'm not saying I'm boring Bill, by the way, when I say I'm boring up in this hood. But it's not like I've got state secrets or anything like that. No. And I, like, I just don't want to be around sweaty bodies. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago when we were talking to Jackson Ford about sweaty ball sacks. Oh, just getting back to that. Like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be around that. No. I mean, if you think about last week when we were talking about size as well, but, uh, you know, positive affirmation of the, the, the body, no shame to you. If you want to walk around naked, that's fine. But you don't want to see me walking around naked. God, no. Nobody needs that. So, just kind of like, do yourself. Saying yeah. that... If I'm in my own house and I don't close the curtains and just decide to change my t-shirt, whatever, like when I was getting ready to record tonight, didn't close the curtains because I figured if you're looking in my bedroom, you're the pervert. Yeah, that's right. In my own house, I'm sharing the space with you. Yeah, don't don't look in my window. Yeah. It's also like maybe a jealousy thing. Oh, completely on my side. Like I. I can't really be naked. I've got too many parts, like robot parts that are attached to me. I have to have my insulin pump on me all the time. And I don't, like, have a pocket that I could comfortably put my pump in. (laughs) Don't see it, Claire. Don't see it. Mm Mm-hmm. You've got Mm -hmm. a horse purse. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to do that. No. Because then I'd have to take it out and clean it off. I and I have I to press... I tell you about Sticky Vicky. Let's save that. Save that for later. It worries me. And we don't need to... No. No. Gross. We don't need to go down that path. 
I'll tell you off the recording. I regret. And if you're interested, Patreon people, ask me later. <sighs> I regret having that conversation. So you let's have move a on. Question? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Would you rather visit Wyoming? But oh shit! There's an explosion in your hotel. Or stay in Louisiana, but oh shit, all your friends are undeadest and constantly remind you of your ex. <laughs> oh, oh shit, this is a difficult one. Assuming that I survived the explosion, like Suki. Yeah, let's go for Wyoming, why not? At least I have a story to tell. Yeah. I, I, I can't I can't abide Arlene right now. She needs to... <sighs> Something needs to happen with Arlene. Fuck off. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah something something needs to happen with Arlene. I'm sick of it. I would rather deal with explosions and racists and bigots at the moment. Yeah, just, the for sure. Far too Even though... Can the racists and the bigots be exploded? Yeah, I was gonna say even though like they're behind the explosions, so that's also really bad. But then I get righteously indignant against them. Right. Yes. So when Arlene starts giving me all that, I can turn around and go, "You mate, can fuck off," because all your friends at the Fellowship of the Sun tried to kill me. Yeah. She doesn't know that Quinn's aware. She's not aware of any were creatures. She only knows about vampires. So she sees that my perfectly respectable human boyfriend almost got killed and is now missing. So all your mates, all your busy mates over at your terrorist cell can all do one. And you're going to be righteously indignant about it. You can all back in their faces when you get back to Louisiana. But, you know, then they're going to be like, well... You should hang out with humans 100% of the time. You don't know so. that you're hanging out with humans 100% of the time. You're hardly human yourself. You're still in the primordial goo with your shitty little narrow-minded opinions. Do you feel better? Marginally. Marginally. I had to turn off the news notifications because I am sick to death. Of racist, bigoted, anti-people rhetoric. Sick yeah, of it's it. the worst. I'm sick of it. It's the worst. Should we move on? <laughs> yes. First we moved on from vagina pockets, and then we moved on from racists. What are we going to move on from next? Would you rather save Eric or Quinn from the explosion? Eric. Eric. Even though Eric probably stands a greater chance of surviving on his own, even though he was in bed and he was not in his coffin, like, so that would have been bad. But, you know, vampires heal fast. So he probably would have been okay, and Quinn probably would not have been if they hadn't woken him up I'm still gonna save Eric but I just love Eric and Eric can fly and Eric can help me escape 
Sorry. Why are you looking at me like that? I'm not looking at you in any particular way. My answer is Eric. Always Eric. Always Eric. Always Eric. <laughs> it's terrible would you rather time. <laughs> it is. Now, again, I'm I'm going to put some of this off on COVID, but my terrible secret would you rather question was not... <laughs> not as bad as it has, has been in the past would you rather ride eric down the side of a pyramid or ride eric down the side of a pyramid You could hear the parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> the husky voice helped. <laughs> I'm gonna ride Eric down the side of that pyramid. Which one was it though? It's the same sentence. <laughs> I'm going to ride Eric. <laughs> And everyone knows how we are meaning that term. What's your terrible question? Would you rather have your favorite band at your wedding or your wedding be officiated by Eric? I would rather have my... You are not marrying Eric. No, no, you you took my answer away. I was going to say... I would rather have my favorite band at my wedding so then I could be marrying Eric. But you took that away from me. I'm still going to pick the favorite band, though. Because I feel like if Eric were officiating my wedding, you know, I would be like, oh, but why can't I marry Eric? You're right there. Oh. So it would just cause problems. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick my favorite band. If Eric officiated the wedding, he could also object at this wedding, and he'd be like, "I object. You're marrying me instead. Do you? Yes. Do you? Yes. We're done." Can you marry yourself though? <laughs> I don't think so. But I don't think I don't think that's allowed. You just vampires. It's like the comic book excuse. You just say it's comic books. Fine. I'll have my favourite band at my wedding too. Screw Who's your favourite band? I don't really have a favourite band. I don't either, really. I mean, I'm into Weird Al a lot lately, so that would be really fun. I haven't listened to actual proper music for a little while. I've been listening to a lot of audio books. Yeah, I know. I don't listen to music anymore. I only mm. listen to books. I mean, if I could get anybody, absolutely anybody, it would probably be the Foos. I do enjoy Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters are pretty good. Eddie Munson from <laughs> Stranger Things, he can be at the wedding. <sighs> Poor Eddie. If you have Eddie as your band at the wedding, you can marry Eric. Okay, 
I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Done. Done. Settled. Done. All right. Favorite final thought quote? Um, remembering? I'll just give you a quick one. Okay. Unbeknownst to myself, was I in love with the flamboyant Viking who was so handsome, so good at making love, and so political all at the same time? <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. Yes. Yes. Oh, that just reminded me of something that bugged me about this audiobook, by the way. Yes. Yes. She said, she said, Viking. Several times. Not Viking. Viking. And it was weird. It jarred me. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead with your other quotes. I'm I'm, I'm rereading and picking out another one. Uh, Pam had already advised me that I could only be imposed on if I committed it and that I needed to be more selective in picking my friends. I was getting emotional health counselling from a vampire? (laughs) Which was a key Pam moment, but also something we didn't talk about, which I was going to talk about, but I completely forgot. Mm -hmm. And that's that too many people are telling Suki what to do. I know. So many people have opinions on how Suki is living her life. And you know what? Fuck right off with that unsolicited unwanted go away and these are so minor people in the life as well like just as you said fuck her off which leads me nicely to the last one this was not the day to screw with me (laughs) (laughs) what's yours what's Mm, yours let's see Why do you think Eric would give a flying fuck what Bill had been ordered to do, much less reveal it to a human woman, if he didn't have inappropriate feelings for you? (gasps) Really, I just picked that one for the flying fuck about Bill. Unnamed X. Hey, that's another one that I that I pulled for this. Of course, this was my ex, Bill Compton. Not that I recognized that he was in the room, brooding away in the corner. <laughs> I really like that she abjured Bill. <laughs> she tried really hard to, anyway. She really did. She really did. And he's like, oh, Suki, I've got this list of all these archery ranges and a photo of the person for you. There you go. Please love me. Please, please. No. Nope. Fuck off. Ooh, too little, too late. He doesn't enjoy having conflicts. He doesn't enjoy having feelings attached. He is not the carefree vampire he used to be. <gasps> That's me. I don't want feelings. Robot. And then I think... Finally, my last one is shit, said Barry, which summed up my feelings in a nutshell. Yes. <laughs> so appropriate. <laughs> so appropriate. I love so that. Good. So that's, good. That's the one that needs to be on the sampler. Just yeah. shit. <laughs> All right. <sighs> if you liked this, try this. Um, I'm going to go with Dear Zero by Kay DeVos. <gasps> How many more times can we suggest a Kelly DeVos book? 
uh, at least one more because this is a duology and this is a sequel called Day One. <laughs> yes, I'm very much into Kelly DeVos at the moment. Yep. Slightly obsessed. It's fine. Slightly obsessed. Manifesting, manifesting, manifesting. Um, let's dive into the summary from Goodreads and see if you can get the hashtag tenuous links. Okay. If you're going through hell, keep going. 17-year-old Corda Jinx Marshall grew up spending weekends drilling with her paranoid dad for a doomsday she sure will never come. She's an expert on self-heating meal rations, Krav Maga, and extricating water from a barrel cactus. Now that her parents are divorced, she's ready to relax. Her big plans include making it to level 99 in her favourite MMORPG and spending the weekend with her hunky stepbrother Toby. I don't know how I feel about that part. Yeah. But all that disaster training comes in handy when an explosion traps her in a burning building. Stuck leading her headstrong step-sister McKenna and her precocious little brother Charles to safety, Jinx gets them out alive, only to discover the explosion is part of a pattern of violence erupting all over the country. Even worse, Jinx's dad stands accused of triggering the chaos. In a desperate attempt to evade paramilitary forces and vigilantes, Jinx and her siblings find Toby and make a break for Mexico. With seemingly the whole world working against them, they've got to get along and search for the truth about the Chakas and about each other. But if they can survive, will there be anything left worth surviving for? So the hashtag tenuous links are explosion. Mm -hmm. Having a really bad day. Yeah. Um terrorist activity mm-hmm. spiraling out of control terrorist activity mm-hmm. and somebody you thought you could trust potentially or probably being involved mm. that's there a lot go. of it's a lot of tenuous links they're not yes. so tenuous in fact what is yours i am suggesting one that also has a tenuous link um explosions and I'm going to talk about Time Bomb by Joelle Charbonneau. And back in the before times, we covered the testing trilogy by Joelle Charbonneau, and I really enjoyed that one. So this one seems interesting to me, so I'm going to suggest it. Time Bomb. A congressman's daughter who has to be perfect. A star quarterback with a secret. A guy who's tired of being ignored. A clarinet player who's done trying to fit in. An orphaned rebel who wants to teach someone a lesson. A guy who wants people to see him, not his religion. Ooh, there's another tenuous link. (laughs) They couldn't be more different, but before the morning's over, they'll all be trapped in a school that's been rocked by a bombing. When they hear that someone inside is the bomber, they'll also be looking to one another for answers. Religious fanatics. Explosions. (laughs) Big bada boom. Do we have an indie spider? Not necessarily an indie, which I think we now need to update what this segment is called. Because they're not always indie spotlights. Sometimes they're new things that are coming up soon that we hear about because we get to hear about these things sometimes. So, Do we have a spotlight? We do. I think 
I think it will forevermore be called New and Indie Spotlight. So this one is called Eternally Yours, and it's out in September. And this one is a story collection by 15 of today's best-selling writers, including some that we have talked about and talked with on the podcast, Ooh. such as Kaylin Bayron yes. and Kendara Blake. We need to talk to Kaylin Bayron. I would love to talk to her. But Kendara Blake, we've talked to Kendara Blake a million times, and we love her very much. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other authors involved that's just ones that we've talked about on the show before. So there's others. Melissa De La Cruz, Hafsa Fazal, Sarah Gailey, Chloe Gong, Alexis Henderson, Adib Karam, Anna Marie McLenmore, Casey McQuiston, Sandaya Menon, Akshaya Rahman, Marie Ratkowski, and Julian Winters. Ooh. So this collection... The description from Goodreads is vampires and merpeople, angels and demons. The stories in this anthology imagine worlds where the only thing more powerful than the supernatural is love. Tenuous link, supernatural love, also (laughs) vampires. A girl in a graveyard goes on an unexpected date. A shipwrecked sailor makes a connection on a forbidden island. A piano melody summons a soulmate. Creatures of folktales and legend, of land and sea, of centuries past and life after life, all wrapped into one spellbinding compendium. Once you sink into its pages, it'll never let you go. That sounds good. Yeah, you know how we feel about these collections, too. There's a vampire one as well, isn't there? That's probably not that we looked at, but it's quite good. Uh, yeah, I think so. Can't remember off the top of my head. It'll be an LTVR <laughs> I know, it probably is. I'm curious about what Kendara's story is going to be. Yes. Yes. Oh, I do like an anthology. Yeah. So that'll, cool. that'll be fun. Out in oh, September. Too long since I've heard one, so yes, interesting that one. All right, so that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss the short story "Promise" by Jackson Ford on our live 200th episode. <gasps> You can watch on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube on Saturday, July 23rd at 1 p.m. Central Time, 7 p.m. GMT, as we discuss this Tegan Frost short story. And join in on Would You Rather and maybe play a game with us afterward. So many fun things. So many fun things are happening. You can look at how many times this car mess up during the live. It's so fun. It's a fun game that everyone should want to play (laughs) look out for our would you rather polls on social media don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on facebook be sure to visit our shop on redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on patreon at patreon.com slash fictional hangover so you can watch this video Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book.
You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover. And on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no ER. If you'd like this episode, check out our others and rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.